Hi there. Welcome to episode 52 of The Playground Project with me, your host, Tanya Pomerantz. I'm so thrilled to have you join my fabulous Mr. Guest and me on The Playground today. And as usual, before we start our chat, I would like to invite you to follow me on Instagram at PuddleJumpCoaching001. And in the doghouse today, we are shining the spotlight on the rescue organization Haiti Street Dog Project. Their mission is to develop sustainable infrastructure-type programs and processes with the Haitian government, the veterinary community, and within local Haitian communities to carry out a three-fold plan that addresses dog welfare, population management, and educational services, programs, resources, that will redirect the future of the street dogs. The website will be in the show notes. And why Haiti? Well, because that is where my fabulous mystery guest hails from. Welcome, the lovely Jocelyn Constant. Welcome, 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 Jocelyn Constant. It is an absolute joy and honor to have you hanging out on the playground with me today. The honor is mine, my dear Tonya. Oh, you make me smile. I feel I feel you in my heart, Jocelyn. You are just such a such a, a beautiful gift to the world, to the people that you work with, to the people that get to meet you. You're just wonderful. You're like you. You are like too kind to me. Well, you it's are too kind, my dear. I, I like it when I'm a being who loves my community <laughs> and always very passionate about my country of adoption. Well, we're happy. We, on behalf of your country of adoption, are happy, happy, and delighted that you've chosen Canada. Josiah, you and I met at OCSO. You're a settlement worker, so you work with newcomers. I was a mentorship facilitator. We were in different buildings, but our paths would often cross. And since I've left OCSO, actually, we see each other a couple times, and we are connected on WhatsApp, and I just think you're awesome. So thank you for taking the time and spending the time with us today. Well, you left the organizations, but you, you will never leave the group and the friendship that you built. Yeah, I'm very lucky. I feel very privileged about that. Now, I have some questions. Yes, The first dear. question is this. Where did you grow up? And go to high school. I was born and grew up in Haiti. So I left Haiti educated because I finished my high school in Haiti and went to university in the U.S. and Canada. Oh, where did you go? And where in the U.S. did you go? Boston. Did you go to Boston University, Boston College? Mm, I live it there. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, got it. I have to say that my only experience with Boston was visiting a friend who was going to Boston College. And uh, my friend and I, um, who were visiting this guy, we stayed out too late and we weren't allowed back into the dorms. And we had to sleep on a bench in oh the lobby. God. Yeah, I, I can imagine. I was in Boston when... Boston was very racist. I went through it. 
Oof. I went through the whole hoo-ha of ways. I oh. still find difficult to, to talk about, although we come a long way. Oh, my goodness. How Okay, so you went from Haiti, you finished high school there, and you went to Boston? Yep. Okay, you know I've got to ask, why did you go to Boston? Oh, my mother died suddenly type of, and uh, so we are a bunch of kids, and I was one of the unique ones. I was a very revolt young lady at the school. So when I have family over there, I have auntie, uncles, cousins. So you, you left over there. So how old were you when you went there? Oh, I was 15. That's pretty young. Well, I was already a mature woman. I, listen, Jocelyn, I have a feeling that you probably, from the, from the beginning of life, you you knew what you wanted and you had a sense of leadership. Well, I was brought up with a mother and father that was always involved in the community. My mother was very involved in the community there. And the whole village, she was the mother of a village. So I grew up watching them, serving others, caring for others, always making sure that others be served. But myself, I wanted to be a doctor, as a matter of fact. And I was supposed to go to Germany to study. And when my mom died, everything changed. And our lives become just an alley, no longer that mm-hmm. village. Yeah. That's, so that's when the pivoting started for you. So how long were you in Boston? Three years. So you were just 18 when you left? When I come to Canada, because Canada, you couldn't come to Canada if you don't have a guardian. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you came here to Ottawa? Uh, directly to Ottawa. Did you know people? Were there Was there a large community around here for you? Uh, no, the Asian community was uh, mostly in Montreal, not Ottawa, but I have family friends. They, they were mm. just like family to us. And they have one of the of the daughter killing on mm. You came here, and so you said you were gonna you were gonna be a doctor. That was the intent. Yeah, I'm very intrigued. How did things go when you were 18? I was already a full grown woman, mm-hmm. responsible for myself by myself. Um, university I to university here. Yeah, what are you? What did you take? Oh, I took political science. <laughs> okay. Why? I love politics. I love politics and coming from a broken country or broken society, I was always in touch or trying to keep informed about politics and the role of politicians. Were there a lot of women? In both, in, in Haiti and even at Ottawa, you in your in your class, or was it mostly guys? Well, there were, yeah, there were a lot of young men and young women. We were almost half-half at the time. Oh, that's good. And so you graduated. Did you know what you were going to do after graduating? Uh, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Canada, it's an open sky. 
mm. and opportunities were everywhere. So the minute I started, as a matter of fact, the same day that I came in, I came in, I was already looking to volunteer with different groups, different party of whatever was open to accept a black woman. Were there limits on places that would accept black people as volunteers? No, I take it as a newcomer. What I suffered in Boston was not what I find in Canada. I find Canada with open arms. Everywhere I go very politely, I say good morning. And uh, because that I was educated more in French and then got the shock of learning for three years in English. So I was still hesitated at the time to express myself fully in English. But it was an open arms. Everywhere I go, people was willing to listen, to give me the time and to direct me. That's really good. I'm glad to hear that. And so after you graduated from, from political science, did you know exactly where your career was going to go? Well, I got multiple choices. Mm. I got multiple choices because I was, uh, I was volunteering with different places. And at the time, most of the time, I was the only Black. So I was the wonder of any group that I'm volunteering with. So I realized Canada, it's really an open sky. So I have multi-choices. Then where did you go? I started working with uh, the first politician, that I mean the MP, where mm -hmm. I live, not far from where I live at the time. And this is how that ended up, because at the time, Marion Doward was the mayor of Ottawa. Mm -hmm. And I was volunteering with our office. So I got a lot of doors opening for me. But yet again, I was working while studying and everything. So I had to make choices. And I did. And I consider them all the best choices of my life. I think that's terrific. And what I love is that you're talking about the importance of volunteering on different levels, right? Oh, different levels, because you got different opportunities here and you got multi-choices. Mm -hmm. As a career development practitioner, I love how you found your way in the world of political science in that place right after university. I think that's fantastic. It's connection. And this is what I always say to new immigrants or new Canadians. It's uh, the best way to learn about the system and what you choose. It's by volunteering and talking to people. You got to build your own community. And Canada gives everyone the same opportunity. How do you respond when people say, I can't volunteer? Well, it's, there is a culture. Eh? In, uh, and I'll take Africa as an example. In Africa, we never define volunteerism for the simple reason that everybody is responsible for everybody. Mm -hmm. Because we mm -hmm. got uh, that village concept. And everybody, almost everybody that comes here, they come into work. Mm -hmm. So they, they don't know what his volunteerism is because it's mm -hmm. part of their culture. Right. So that is why that some people said completely lost when you talk about volunteer. Volunteering, am I going to get paid? No, you won't get paid, but you get the knowledge. 
and you get the benefit of a letter, but they don't see it like that. For the simple reason, it's not part of their culture. They never, the, the, everybody in the same village is responsible for everybody all ages. And they never say I'm volunteering. They make it my duty to do that, to work for money so they don't understand the concept of volunteerism. But now it's getting a lot of grounds because I got well-educated people that mm -hmm. come here and they are looking for ways to volunteer. Yeah, that's good. I'm wondering how, you, how your journey took you to OCSO. Oh, as a matter of fact, Osizo is my last stop as a matter of fact in fact, because uh, I love to learn and I love to recycle myself. <laughs> I end up in Brian Maloney staff, I would say, as a political employee. And uh, I spend the whole array with Brian Maloney and Jean Chrétien. And until that, I suffered aneurysms. Oh, so when I suffer aneurysms with my, I am an hyperactive person psychologically and physically. Mm. So I never sit, I never stop learning. So I'm always taking something and I take psychology, I take international marketing, mm. I take social work. My gosh, jeez. Oh, I'm always avid. As a matter of fact, even my sons who are teasing me since the pandemic, this is the first time in their lives that mommy is not taking a course. I'm always taking a course. And they said, oh, mom, the pandemic stop you. But I say, no, stop me from being sitting on a bench in a class, but mm -hmm. that stop me from learning. I like that. The lifelong learner that you are. Yes. So and I believe in it. Absolutely. It keeps us young. It keeps our brain agile. Knowledge is power. I think it helps you to appreciate life more because it brings a, a level of understanding to you that if you don't get mixed and learn, you just, you know, it's a, to me, it's a type of punishment. It's a self-punishment. If you don't, if you choose not to learn. Exactly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So you've been pivoting in your life. You spoke of, of an aneurysm. That must have been, I don't even know the word. I mean, I start with traumatic, life-changing. Well, as a matter of fact, the doctor gave me 20 to half an hour to die. And they didn't realize that I, I was still conscious. I got three bleed, bleeding veins in my brain. And yet again, I was conscious. So they didn't realize that I was conscious. They just gathered, three of them gathered around me and uh, made the decision just give her time because what's going on right now, she won't leave. And they left and leave me by myself. So luckily enough, I had uh, a, a clock in the wall of where they put me. And when I looked, I see 40 minutes and I was still conscious and there can we trying to remember everything, trying to call them to say, you know, two people are pulling my head open. Please make it stop. And then I, when one of them came in to 
just consume me. And I said, listen, the doctor said 22, half an hour. Now it's 40 minutes past. Can somebody do something? And this is when they start panic. They start panicking because I was not supposed to know or listen to what they were saying. So they have to call one of the doctors back. And that was a neurologist. So when he came back, he wasn't happy. But at the same time, he becomes my savior. Why wasn't he happy? Because he was he, he went home. Oh, oh my God. He, he shifted. <laughs> he was called oh. simply by two others, and one of them was an intern. It was to make a, a type of an assessment. And he was the one that said that uh, just give her time. You know, in a few minutes, she'll die. You didn't. Nope. <laughs> Nothing happens before the time, my dear. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So how did you recuperate from that? Well, that was first the first time all my life that I spent four months without work. And nobody can tell me anything because the doctor or the team, because I had I ended up having a whole team on me because they were trying to understand as a black young person and how come I got three bleeding veins and I was I did not lose conscience. I was still awake and talking. And uh, so I become the ghost of something. But they believe that I will be falling into a coma anytime because I was still fragile. So nobody wants to give me permission to go to work. Mm. And this is when that I'm talking about that I'm always got a big smile because of my volunteerisms. When people find out that I was sick and people can in, keep in touch with me. And this is how that I end up, um, because when I was a political employee, I had an office at CEDA. Uh -huh. So I know people there. I know directors there. I know a lot of people there. So they always keep in touch with me. And finally, one asked me, what's going on? What are they going to do to you? How do you feel? I say, I feel fantastic because four months without work. And I was taking care of myself. And then I said, can I come and volunteer with you guys, you know, in your office? You know me. Because some people were still calling me to talk about politics, to talk about what do you think, to talk about what's happening in, in Ottawa. Mm. So he said, uh, I don't see why not, but, you know, just come one day and then you'll assess yourself. You let us know. Mm -hmm. And I end up at the Met, at the Canadian Met, mm. because that's where my contact was. And the next thing I know, I got a contract for six months, mm -hmm. contract extended for two years. I spent eight years at the Met. Oh. <laughs> Funny how that happens. Okay. Yep. And it's all in the name of volunteerism and meeting people. Yep. Because six months after when I just started, six months, just five months about before my contract ended, I went to my neurologist and I said, listen, I've been working every day on my own time, no pressure, nothing. And I feel fine. 
So what's now? And he looked at me and said, I will never give you a letter to go back to work full time. Hmm. I said, okay. And I never go back to work. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So I, I have a question. What, yes. How, how did you know that this, like this aneurysm was happening? Like what were the signs? Was I there- didn't have no symptoms. Oh, I was, I never forget, I had an office in the Senate and uh, I turned, I have an assistant and I, uh, I was supposed to meet with a senator that just came to, from Haiti and he mm-hmm. wanted to talk to me to gather a better understanding of the society there because he was going to stay involved representing Canada in Haiti. Mm-hmm. And I turned to tell my assistant, please, because that senator is a very passionate person about the world. So I turned to just to inform my uh, assistant, please give me half an hour with him because I know he's going to be there for two hours and I cannot afford to give him that mm-hmm. much time. Give me 30 minutes and walked in. I said, don't even knock. Just open the, the office door and remind me that I have a, a meeting, a next meeting. And my and I block. My neck block. I couldn't turn <gasps> to be normal. So my assistant said, what's wrong? What's wrong? Oh, I said, just, just ask him to wait. I said, just keep him with you. Keep him with you. So I had my own, uh, my office got my uh, a bathroom. So I went there. I take a little towel. I just wet it and wrap it around my neck. By the time I do that, two people, I feel two hands are pulling my brain open. <gasps> I never have a symptom. Never feel nothing. So I have a block artery in my neck and I got bleeding vents in my brain. And I just make a round again. When I realize that I make a round again, I wrote a little note to my assistant because I couldn't talk. I wrote a little note because I don't want to panic the whole office. So I wrote a, I wrote something. I say, sorry, I'll be right back. I went out, I got, I got into a taxi, and I said to the taxi, please take me to general. That's how it's happened. Yes. Wow. You must feel like the luckiest person in the world. This is why, why I believe nothing happens before the time. We got no power, but I'm telling you, somebody, somewhere got a lot of power. Um. I am speechless. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I spent 11 years on a, on a team of research, aneurysms researcher. They even took me to Australia Jeez. to testify, to answer questions and everything. I spent 11 years on that team. Oh, just this. Oh, my gosh. So I have a couple more questions. What are you most proud of? Oh, my God. I got a whole list. I can imagine. A whole list, my everyday. 
and uh, my sons, because I have four of them, mm. and everything. I'm proud of every second of my life and watching as I was supposed to be a single mother because I fostered children also for 15 years. Eh? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I, I end up adopting three of them and watching them, they're all university degrees. And now I got two married men and fathers. Every day, it's a smile for me. Every day, it's a blessing. It's an added blessing. And this is my next question is, what brings you joy? Oh, seeing people happy. Mm. Yep. When I see somebody who's very recognition, very appreciative of life. Yeah. That. And now I'm a grandma. So every Sunday I got to I got to make a round with my grandchildren, listening to them. They always have a story to tell me. They have to talk about the week, what works, what not. Once I had a little four years old telling me that she was too stressed. Oh. Her life was too stressed because her little brother doesn't listen. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Yes. Oh, man. So I was involved. I have been involved with Osizo for a long time because I got into Osizo through my Marian Doors since uh, 1980. Okay. I was also on the board of Osizo for seven years. Oh. Before that... I become, before I become a Osizo staff member. Mm. So you've got a, a long and vibrant experience with Osiso. Oh, yes. Wow, they're oh. very lucky. Very, very lucky to have you. I have well, you. I'm very lucky too because I meet wonderful people there. They, they have the best staff. I love the Osiso staff. The people that we get to work with, our clients, wonderful, wonderful people. Oh, yeah. So my last question to you, Mama Jay, is... Do you have a favorite motivational quote or words that you live by? It's serving. Mm. Serving others. Because I believe very strongly, don't do to others what you wouldn't like somebody done to you. Mm -hmm. The golden rule, right? Yes. Yeah. And accept life. You get to learn to accept life. Every experience is a lesson. Yeah. So I repeat that a lot in my environment. I don't believe in mistakes. This is why that I'm the most proud of my four men. I don't believe in mistakes. I believe in lessons learned. I really, really like that. Thank you. Thank you. Merci beaucoup, mon ami. I'm you... thanking you too, my dear, for providing me that space. Wow. Your time. Thank, so merci. thank you. Merci à toi aussi. Thank you kindly. Thank you. Have a Bye -bye. great weekend. You too. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for hanging out with the amazing Jocelyn and me today on the playground. 
And thank you so much, Jocelyn, also sometimes known as Mama J, for joining us on the playground and sharing your story. Jocelyn shared her career development story with us and her love of all things politics. She spoke about how she made her way to Canada and how happy she is in Canada, her adopted home. We learned about Jocelyn's dedication to service, and I don't know about you, but after hearing about her near-death experience, I am even more focused on living in a state of perpetual gratitude. She is a mom, a grandmother, and a lifelong learner dedicated to continual self-improvement. And she sums up her attitude in the phrase, I don't believe in mistakes, I believe in lessons learned. With such a positive attitude towards life and always seeing the good in people, Jocelyn is one of those fabulous people who really is making the world a better place. Remember to check out Haiti Street Dog Project to learn how you too can make the world a better place for the street dogs of Haiti. A special shout out to the international listeners in Ireland, India, Barbados, Puerto Rico, Finland, Nepal, the US, and Russia. I love that we are here all together. Please do follow me on Instagram at puddlejumpcoaching001, and please do join me again on next week's episode with another fabulous mystery guest. Until next week, I hope you too can see the lessons learned and remember to be good to yourself, to others, to animals, and the environment. Looking forward to hanging out on the playground again next time when we will jump into the future together.